Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast. We're here and ready to coach you in the Word, and we've got a great Word from God for you today. We're going to talk about where is the mind of Christ. This is the first part of a two-part session. Uh, We delivered this on Sunday night, just uh, would have been yesterday, and uh, we're thrilled to be uh, sharing it with you. We want to welcome all of those of you that are listening on podcasts. Thank you for downloading our information. We want to welcome you that are listening on Lift Him Higher Radio, those of you that have listened through our Family Fellowship Chapel Facebook post. Uh, we want to encourage you to contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's messaging. We are so thrilled to uh, be a part of sharing the Word of God with you. We want to go directly into the ministry from last night. We know that it's going to bless you, so let's get started. Bible study. We're doing it this evening a little bit earlier because I have a six o'clock meeting tonight uh, at the regional gathering at Winston-Salem first. Uh, Doug Small from the Church of God is preaching and uh, we're going to gather and worship together. But I wanted to post uh, Bible study so you can have it this week. I'm going to talk to you tonight. On some of the topic that I mentioned this morning concerning where is the mind of Christ. So let's have a word of prayer and then I'll get into that. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I pray that you would minister by your power. Open our eyes that we can see our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then allow us to apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear son. Now, Father, we sanctify ourselves, surrender ourselves, and yield ourselves to you. As Jesus speaks, may we have that revelation provided for us through the Holy Spirit. May we release it to your people, and we'll give you honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Well... I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16 to begin tonight's Bible study. Here's what it said. For who knoweth, who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The Amplified Classic Version. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsel and the purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, the feelings and purposes of his heart. So there is a mind of Christ that the believer is supposed to be in possession of. And I mentioned to you this morning about the recent study at the University of Pennsylvania And I won't go back into that again except to say that this study showed that there was a space and a place in the mind of man that we will talk about as being the God side of man that man was able to produce whenever he was acting uh, in the spirit worshiping in the spirit now second peter 1 4 said 
whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The mind of Christ unveils for us the divine nature that is Jesus Christ. This understanding of his ability to speak to us, to work through us, and to perform his ministry by demonstrating himself to those uh, we encounter is essential if we are to live as an overcomer in this life. Now this fact is a great and precious promise for each of us if we are able to grasp the concept of our Lord's teaching. Our brain has to have in its divine design the ability to hear from Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus said so. John 16, 13, and 14. Hi, Linda. Hi, Andy Reynolds. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. He will he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. When Jesus ascended, after he spread the blood on the vessels of ministry, came back to earth and remained um, before he was reinstated to his original position in the Godhead, in the ascension we see in chapter 1 of the book of Acts, uh, at that second ascension, first off he came back as Lord. Then at the second ascension, he went and was reseated in the, in the place that he was from the foundation of the world, and Paul determined him to be our man in the Godhead bodily. Now, he immediately dispatched, released the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit came directly and sat on men, women, in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. This, of course, was the entire theme of the book of Acts. The release of the Holy Spirit into man was very specific. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that this Holy Spirit is the revealer of the things that are freely given by God to those who love him. He also states that man would receive instruction from him in verse 16. It was to be received where? That's the question. Well, we now know that it was to be received in the God part of the brain. We have never considered how we were going to express the divine nature of God. We've never thought about that. We look, took that phrase very much so for granted as if we somehow, in our natural senses and with the flesh, would morph into the divine nature of God, that it would be our flesh that would morph into the divine nature of God. And our soulish realm, our own personal mind, will, and emotion all fallen, would somehow be able to grasp, catch on, and those things would morph into the divine nature of God. I assume that we have also thought that if we read and prayed and meditated in His Word long enough, that we would experience 
in our fleshly intellect and body, the divine nature. After all the experiences uh, that we have seen, they seem to always express themselves, as you know, through the outward manifestations. Now, we've shouted, jumped, danced, and so forth to show the manifestation of what we determine to be the Spirit. But when we study the way the Holy Spirit acts upon the brain, we now know that those types of actions come out of the frontal lobe, and they're actually doing from our feelings, emotions, and will in our natural man. And they are things that can be controlled. And we have established that on a number of different perspectives. Whenever we talk about how worship unfolds and what people do during the course of worship and then what they do not do whenever they get down to hear the word of God, they absolutely detach themselves from any spiritual ramification or spiritual support and sit down as if they have had all that they can handle, which it might be their own mental overload in their mind, will, and emotion, their natural soulish side. Of course, research has showed us that these expressions are not actually being produced by the God part of the brain. They're being produced from the parts of the brain that we are supposed to be making expressions. So they reflect the rise. Our worship reflects the rise of the soulish realm. Of course, we've identified that as our mind, will, and emotion. So whenever the music stops and the emotion dies down, we are in a condition where we are left being exactly spiritually as we were before we went into that emotional uprise. Now, my friend, that's a sad thing because worship is worship, praise and music, jumping, dancing and whatnot is not the idea that the mind of Christ portrays because it is all done out of the soulish realm. Now, of course, these Types and times of worships are not a bad thing, but I want you to get this. They reflect more of an immersion into how we feel rather than the expression of time spent with God. Now, when worship leads you into the utilization of ministering in the spirit, when worship leads you into wisdom, Knowledge, discerning of spirits, faith, healings, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Then it has led you in to the, to the part of your brain that is being ministered to directly as we just defined that when we read the scripture from John uh, chapter 16 verses 13 and 14. We're being led into a dimension where God is speaking to us. If worship is not leading us and cueing us in that direction, then it is really of no spiritual value.
If worship is not leading us into the, the, the dynamic that cues us into the preaching and the revelation of the Word of God, then it has no spiritual value because it has left you as you came. The only thing that is going to change you and make you able to face the outer world and able to minister and be at peace and have open confidence in what God is able and willing to do in your life is when the word of God spoken to you in divine anointing and revelation so ministers in the God part of your brain, the center, the very central core of who you are. At that point... You are transformed. You can no longer be conformed to the world. You are changed. You are renewed. You are prepared to get up from where you are and square your shoulders back and face the world. To go through the things the world gives you knowing that you've made, God has made a way of escape for you. Now that's the point you need to hear. Where did God make the way of escape? Did he make the way of escape just through the word of God? People have quoted the word of God over everything you can imagine. They've memorized scriptures. They've done everything they can do to boss God around. I want to tell you where your way of escape is. It is in the God part of your brain where the Holy Spirit is showing you things to come. Isn't that what Jesus said in John 16, 14? He said he would show you things to come. Where is he going to show you that? He's going to show you that in the side of your brain that is the mind of Christ. It is the central core of who you are. I want you to know that worship under all of the movements of which we have determined to be engaged with worship is not a bad thing. It is just not the thing. You hear what I said? It is not the thing because it will leave you spiritually aghast. It will exhaust you mentally and emotionally. And when you get done with it, there will be nothing of transforming nature. Only when you go into the realm of the spirit can Jesus Christ speak to you and the Holy Ghost reveal things to you that you did not know. You can't get there to the beat of the music, my friend. You can't get there by memorizing the words of a song. It is when that worship takes you into the presence of God and you begin to get in the heavenly conversation. That's whenever there begins to be something worthwhile that comes out of the music and the praise. That's when your spiritual antennas go up and those that have ears to hear begin to hear. This is what Jesus has been teaching us. Of course, most of what I'm talking about here does not describe what we consider to be our modern day worship exercise. Therefore, our modern day worship exercise seems to address itself to our natural soulish realm. There seems to be very little that our natural worship, our modern day worship, which appeals to our soulish realm, that we can use as carryover content to make us strong in our spiritual man. 
unless we are hearing from him in the spirit, then what we are doing will pacify us at the moment, but it will have no long lasting effect on how we navigate, traverse, and go through our life to become more than an overcomer. It's been proven to be an emotional experience, but not a spiritual experience. Why? Because it doesn't reflect the God part of the brain. The God part of the brain hasn't been activated in the way we're doing worship. Worship today, if you had been at our church, was a dynamic experience. It moved us out of our natural realm into the spiritual realm. Glory to God. Then when the preaching came up, the same thing happened again because the field had been plowed and the people were ready and the atmosphere was such that the Holy Spirit could now teach us how to apply the Word of God directly to our life. Now I'm sure that there is a place for the emotional high that's associated with music, but it has no lasting spiritual effect and it does not show the participation of the God part of the brain while we're doing it. It's natural and it's soulish. Only when it goes into the spirit does worship accomplish what its intention was. What its reason for uh, doing it is. So what is the God part and how do we access it? First, we have to determine who has the privilege to function in this mind. Well, that is nobody more or less than the born-again believer who is provided with the quickening when he is saved. I'm going to show you something about right now that's going to be very shocking to you. Pay close attention. We're made alive in two distinct areas according to Paul's teaching in Ephesians chapter 2. Number one, our inner man experiences a new birth. So we're quickened to life. Paul told us that in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. This is what quickening means as it relates to the new birth. We are made alive. Where? In our inner man. Our inner man draws back into connection with God. And therefore, our inner man is born again. We are quickened to new life. Quickened by the life and the spirit of Christ Jesus. Now then, the God side of man is also quickened. As he is made to be joined together with Christ. And Paul told us that in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. This is what quickening means uh, with respect to the mind of Christ. Because Paul said we are quickened and joined together with him. Now watch what Ephesians is saying here in chapter 2 verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Well, you can sing right, see right there the word quickening, which means to make alive. The process has begun. Wherein in time past we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, in the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So Paul is referencing the spirit of death that is in the children of disobedience that has been made alive by what Jesus Christ has done for us when he died for our sins and we believed on him. You can see the natural mind living life with a very dead spirit and therefore living out of a mind that was under the influence of the devil. How do you know that, Pastor Mike? Because they were living in disobedience. 
Their activities were in disobedience. Paul identified all of those activities in Galatians chapter 5. Now, verse 3. Among whom also we had our conversation in times past. Now, wait a minute, because it's very critical that you get that. Did you hear Paul say that we had our conversation? Where does our conversation come from? It comes from our fallen nature. Our inner man is operating in disobedience. Therefore, our mind, what's coming out of our mind, is also a mouth of disobedience. It's a mouth of discouragement. It's a mouth of trouble. It's a mouth of the 17 works of the flesh. You see that the mind of man, is operating in total disobedience because he is being led by the prince of the power of the air. The spirit, inner spirit, that now worketh in the children who are doing disobedient things. How do we know they're being disobedient? By their words and by their actions. Because what is not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of that man. So we had our conversation in times past. What were we talking about? The lust of the flesh. What were we doing? We were saying words that were in agreement with what was in our inner man. What were we doing? The lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Watch it now. And of the mind. And of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Our conversation came out of a fallen and dead spirit which produced a mind that was joined to the prince of the power of the air. We identified that by Paul's use of the words by nature. Do you see that? Among whom also we had our conversation time past, lest the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature. The children of wrath. Isn't that interesting? Verse 4. But God. But God. That's what we need to know my friend. But God made a way. God made a way where your inner man could be born again. And your mind could be changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Glory to God. In his inner man and in his mind. He was equal with God. His flesh, however, was full of sin. His flesh was a problem. His flesh did not perform sin, but Paul said, our flesh has. Now look what he said. But God, who was rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. God made man as his image. He knew the divine design of man from both a spirit being and a being who has a mind to identify with the words, directions, and conversations of God. Now this is important for us to see. We can find this truth in Scripture. Do you see Paul speak of a conversation in verse 3? Do you see Paul speak of the kind of communication that flowed from their mouth? This conversation reflected the content that had devastated their inner man, things such as lust, being fulfilled, the desires of the flesh being fulfilled, and the mind being stuck on the process that came from the prince of the power of the air. But God, but God, who knows man, who knew that there was a problem that had to be rectified, where man needed to be cleansed, refined, and purged, but God, 
brought about a means whereby, through his mercy and through his great love, that we could be transformed in the inner man and full of the mind of Christ. First, we had to believe on Jesus Christ and we had to be born again. That would release what was in our brain now. Once we were quickened there, our brain would be released. Our inner core brain would be released to be joined to Jesus Christ. When joined to Jesus Christ, man would produce the mind of Christ. He would be in you and he would be joined to you. Now watch this. Verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, watch it now hath quickened, made us alive together with Christ. Made us alive together. First off, he quickened us into life. We were dead in sins. Then, those who were dead in sins became alive together. Together. With. With Christ Jesus. Here we see the activity that has occurred in the God part of the thinking of the believer. We're joined together by making alive the part of us that carries forward our thoughts and our conversations. Philippians 3.20 shows us what that conversation has become. Listen to it. Our conversation is now in heaven, from whence also we look for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We look for Him. We listen for Him. We identify in Him. He is the Lord. He's the one who's above every name. He is Jesus who died on Calvary and who was buried. We're buried with him in, in, in the burial of our sin. And Christ, the resurrected victorious one. The thoughts, ideas, and concepts um, that are expressed become to us a new way of talking, a new way of acting, and a new way of doing. Why is that? Because we're interacting with the mind of Christ. We're engaging with the mind of Christ as we engage, traverse, journey, trudge, and make a pathway through this world. These two transformations, my friend, are crucial for us to understand. Verse 6, now watch this. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're elevated, now get this. To a higher order spiritual status. I've described how that happened already. But do you see what this elevation has accomplished? We are made to be in his company. How did that happen? Because we're quickened, quickened in the inner man and joined to his mind. When we're joined to his mind, we're able to be in the conversation. We're raised up now to sit in a new place. We're able to be there on a parallel, on an equal fair footing in that spiritual realm together in heavenly places. Glory to God. That's what Paul said. We're able to be elevated. Now we can go. Uh, uh, listen, we are made to be in his company. Now, we can't go there as long as we reside with our focus on this wrapper, which we call the flesh. We can't reside there if all we're going to do is stay in our soulish realm. 
if we're going to stay in our body, our inner man is going to be saved, but we're going to do everything out of worship from our natural man. The words we speak, the songs we sing, the messages we send are all going to be sent out of our natural man. We will never get to the place where we're seated. We will never get to the place where we're in the conversation. We'll, we'll never get to the place where we are together in Him. The only mechanism for us to get to Him as long as we are wrapped in the flesh is to go there in the Spirit. And the only mechanism for us to do that is through being made alive in two places. One is in our spirit and one is to be joined together in a, to Him in our mind, the God part of us. Now, we can be in his company if we're willing to live out of the inner man and if we're willing to go into the God part of our brain. It is then that he can communicate to us and we can communicate to him. If we're trying to do it through our soulless realm, my friend, Paul spoke to that. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Paul said, I talk, when I talk in tongues, I'm talking directly to God. Now that same conversation will not edify those that are necessarily in the congregation unless the speaking is interpreted. But if it is interpreted, man will reap the benefit of the edification of the word of God coming directly from my communication in direct communication with God. I have to be able to get out of a soulish realm, in other words. I have to take my inner man, which has been made alive by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, join my spirit, my soul rather, with him, so that I can be in him, think like him. Then, Paul said, because this mind that is in you, that is also in Christ Jesus, and then he told you what would happen whenever you let that mind be in you, he said you will be in a spiritual condition. Now, notice that Jesus uh, that Paul told us we would be the children of God. Paul said we'd be joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Now, notice this. So as we bring ourselves into con con uh, the joining with Christ Jesus, and we are in Him, just as He was in God, all of a sudden in our spiritual world, it's, it, we are sitting in heavenly places. We are in a condition that Jesus was in. Where he's now saying, you're welcome in here because you don't think it robbery to be equal with God. You don't think it robbery in the spirit world to think like me, act like me, talk like me. Now in the flesh world, you are going to have to defeat the enemy. You're going to have to use your spirit and that joined thought process. That is the means of escape that Paul spoke of when he said there is no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. But with every temptation, God has made the way of escape. What is that? The quickened inner man and the joined mind. Baby, I got it. I see it. Don't you? Now watch this now. We can be communicated to now by him. So there is our means of escape. We can have the benefit of the mind of salvation. We can have the benefit of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the mind of salvation. Now, what can that do for us? Well, it produces in us an anointing that puts the devil in his place from the foundation to the neck. Do you remember Habakkuk chapter 3? 
and verse 13, where he said he went forth, was sent forth as salvation. He was sent forth as the six elements of salvation to be, de to be described and be benefits unto man. He was sent forth with the anointing to bring about those benefits. And those benefits and that salvation would cause him to be able to step on the wicked from the head to the foundation. And then he closed that verse with the word Selah. Which means that you and me need to think on these things. Look at me. Look with me at Second Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. This is all the further I'm going to get tonight, but I want you to see it. So this quickening to life and being joined together has served to become an identifier for us. What is being identified? The foundation of the divine nature of God that we spoke of from 2 Peter 1 4. It's always been a certainty as far as God was concerned. He knows what he has placed in man. It is for this reason that we, he, will look at many in that day and say, I never knew you. Why? Because they were they refused to be made alive. And be joined to the higher order of spiritual status. Now what happened then? Well, they were unable to sustain the wiles of the devil. They were unable to overcome the inroads that the devil was working according to Ephesians chapter 6. Through the principalities and powers of air and rulers of darkness in high places in their mind. And according to Jesus' own teaching... They took upon themselves, because they were unable to do that, seven more spirits more wicked than the first. Now that spiritual higher order thinking, that status that God has given us. Watch what 2 Timothy 2.19 said. The foundation of God stands. The foundation of God is sure. The foundation of God places a seal upon you. The foundation of God causes you. To be known that you are his. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from lawlessness. My friend, we have a seal. This quickening serves to be an ident as identifiable as the mark of a signet. It has such strength that it is unremovable. It is as the stamp of an irreversible imprint. Upon the spirit and the mind. It is a mark of approval. Protection and privacy. With respect to the interaction of any and all. Of the aspects of encounters with darkness. You cannot intellectualize yourself into it. You cannot meditate yourself into it. Because meditation is a work of which you control. You have to be made alive by the forces of the blood and the body, the word and the name of Jesus Christ. Any other means does not produce the seal that stands sure because it was not a part of the foundational plan of God. The Lord knows them who are his. How does he recognize them? Their spirit and their conversation. Now, if our spirit is wrong, then we have shown you how our thinking is wrong, and therefore our conversation becomes wrong. All of these reflect the influence of darkness upon man, but if our spirit is operating under the function of the spirit of salvation 
Yeshua, Jesus, then our brain will be joined to him and we will live in the mind of Christ. Our thoughts and our words will be produced from the God side of our inner core of our brain. We will listen and we will hear. We will listen and we will show. We will listen and he will tell us what to speak. By this we will be known that we are the Lord's. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I pray that you will open our eyes to the quickening in both our spirit and our mind that we might come through worship until we can worship you in spirit, in the spirit. And may that spirit put us in tune with you and your words and our conversation in heaven as we sit in heavenly places where the Holy Ghost is spoken to by Jesus and reveals the things that are freely given to us. Father, we praise you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Well, I thank Well, thank you for listening today. Thank you for downloading our stuff. Thank you for allowing us to share the Word of God with you. We again welcome your um, uh, comments and would love to have you contact us at the addresses that we gave you earlier in this post. Again, if you will find Jesus as Lord, get into Him as man in the Godhead and allow the Holy Spirit to speak the words of Jesus to you, my friend, you will find truth that will change and transform your daily walk with Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. God bless you until we speak again.